You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Although mental illness has always been present within populations, the presence of psychiatry as a medical specialty only emerged beginning in the late 18th century. How the mentally ill were treated before this event and since has been expertly researched by my guest. Welcome to this special segment on psychiatry. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Toronto, Canada, is historian Edward Shorter, the Jason A. Hanna Chair in the History of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Shorter is the author of numerous books on the history of medicine, including A History of Psychiatry and his latest book, Shock Therapy, A History of Electroconvulsive Treatment in Mental Illness. Welcome, Dr. Shorter. Hi. Dr. Shorter, before we look at the content of your research, I wonder if you could talk to us a bit about your profession. How did you choose the field of medicine to study as a historian? I started out with an interest in the family, and indeed I I wrote a book about the history of the family that was quite popular in the 1970s called The Making of the Modern Family. And as I studied family life, it dawned on me that there were a number of medical issues that reverberated profoundly in family life in the past, such as women's anemia, for example, that in the days before they started taking iron therapy for anemia that left them chronically drained and dragged out, or the issue of uh, septic abortions, or sepsis from a street corner, from a backroom abortion that would be life-threatening for you as a woman who is desperate to get uh, rid of an unwanted conceptus. And so I thought that I would study some of these interesting questions. I had, at that time, no medical or scientific background of any kind. I was a conventional historian, but I found I couldn't get to first base. There would be references in the obstetrical literature to the pelvic floor. What in the heck was the pelvic floor? And so at that point, I realized that I had to go to medical school, which I did. I didn't graduate MD, but I did spend a couple of years in medical school getting the very basics of biomedicine, which are absolutely essential to understanding the history of medicine, being able to read the literature. And that really opened the subject up for me. I was able to go out and do serious research in the history of medicine, which I couldn't have done before. Very interesting. And now you teach at a medical school. How do you think knowledge of the history of medicine and an appreciation for events that influence the practice of medicine at any given time benefits the medical students that you teach? This is an interesting question. Actually, I'm not sure that it does benefit them very much, aside from giving them a sense of the dignity of their profession, which is important. And if we're looking at a medical disciplines such as nephrology or cardiology, you say, well, you know, is it really important for you to know the history of cardiology in order to be a good cardiologist? Well, the answer is no, it's not. You can be a very effective cardiologist and understand nothing about the history of cardiology. But that's not true of psychiatry, and that's why in recent times I've been drawn more to the history of psychiatry rather than cardiology, although at one point I did write a history of radiology, for example, and I've written about obstetrics and gynecology. But I'm currently interested in psychiatry and psychopharmacology simply because these are disciplines that can profit from some kind of understanding of the past. And the problem in psychiatry today is that a number of the currently popular medications are probably less effective for mood disorders then were the mood disorders medications that flourished in the 1950s and 60s. Similarly with diagnosis, the diagnoses that were given to us by DSM-3 in 1980 probably do a poorer job of cutting nature at the joints of discerning 
genuine natural disease entities than did the diagnoses that flourished in the 1950s and 60s. And so in, in both therapeutic and diagnostic terms, psychiatry has probably gone downhill in a way that has not happened to any other medical specialty. And this is fascinating. So perhaps it was psychiatry that you were thinking of when you wrote about the concept that advances in medicine are not necessarily linear, yet this seems at odds with how medicine generally perceives itself. There's this out with the old and with a new mentality, usually. Well, generally, in medicine, there is such a thing as scientific progress, building on the achievements of the past, much like putting brick after brick in a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And I think this metaphor is, generally speaking, true of most of medicine, certainly of clinical disciplines such as nephrology or cardiology. They are much more effective today than they were 30 years ago. But this image of building with one brick on top of another is not true, unfortunately, in the mental sciences, in psychiatry. And even though psychiatry flatters itself as having an underlying platform in neuroscience, there are relatively few areas of clinical psychiatry that have been touched by neuroscience. Ditto with psychopharmacology, even though we see psychopharmacology today is benefiting enormously from recent scientific advances in underlying pharmacology. This has not, in fact, resulted in better medications. As you look at these students that you're teaching and from your perspective as a historian of the special interest in psychiatry, how would you say that the historical moment during which medical training takes place can influence the practitioner for their life? Medical training before about 1970 was heavily oriented to biochemistry. There's a kind of biochemical uh, apotheosis in medical education that began around 1910 and that maintained its primacy throughout the 1960s. And then in the early 1970s, there was a big sort of swing of the pendulum as the realization dawned that what we want to do in medical education is not to produce many scientists, but to produce effective clinicians who are able to deal with the patient's mind as well as the patient's body alike, deal with the mind-body problem. Because so many illnesses that one sees in family medicine don't result from a, an anatomical or a biochemical lesion. The patients actually have nothing wrong with them in anatomical terms, and yet they are distressed. They're suffering, and it's the job of the clinician to try to relieve that suffering. And it takes, in dealing with what are really psychosomatic illnesses, it takes a lot of clinical sensitivity and sensitivity in human relations, psychological understanding to make the patients feel at ease and to give them some understanding as to how their personal history and their lifestyle may be making them ill. In other words, they don't just have a biochemical lesion. And so this has had a major impact on medical education. The medical curriculum oriented around uh, biochemistry and pharmacology and physiology after thorough uh, grounding and anatomy based on a dissection of the human body, that is no longer seen as so relevant to relieving this kind of psychological distress. And so medical education has become problem-oriented rather than oriented towards a particular program of lectures. And many of the problems now that 
medical students are offered today have to do with problems in human relations, problems in the social backgrounds against which our lives are highlighted. And so you have to have a different training as a clinician to deal with people who have problems in living as opposed to patients who have uh, lung cancer. Right. Patients continue to have lung cancer. I'm not downplaying that. It's terribly important for cancer specialists to understand the fundamental biochemistry of what they're dealing with. But the reality is that in primary care, most of your patients do not have lung cancer. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is historian Dr. Edward Shorter, author of Shock Therapy, a History of Electroconvulsive Treatment in Mental Illness. Dr. Shorter, we were talking about the medical students that you teach history to now. But let's go back and take a look at your specialty, psychiatry. And if you could describe for us how historically the mentally ill were dealt with prior to the establishment of the medical specialty of psychiatry. The medical specialty of psychiatry was established late in the 19th century with with the foundation of the therapeutic asylum. There have always been asylums in history because there have always been patients who are dangerous to themselves and others, basically speaking, and can't be just left on the streets of the city. And so there have always been lockups in which to confine these patients, keep them in custody since the Middle Ages. At the end of the 18th century, the understanding dawned that institutionalization can be therapeutic as well as being custodial, and that was the beginning of the discipline of psychiatry as such. Psychiatrists were specialists in running large institutions. With the passage of time, these institutions became overwhelmed but with oppressive bodies, and they started to lose their therapeutic function and return to custodial functions once again, and at that point, the majority of psychiatrists decided to shift their own focus more towards individual psychotherapy practices on Main Street rather than continuing to be uh, asylum physicians and asylum superintendents. But you get the picture. Psychiatry was founded as a discipline late in the 18th century with the best of intentions. These intentions became sabotaged with the enormous increase in what seemed to be the amount of mental illness, and the discipline responded with in various ways. Let's talk a little bit about some of the historically important individuals in psychiatry. I'm sure that most would identify Freud as the central figure in the history of psychiatry, but you contend that it is Emil Kreplin. Oh, Sigmund Freud is no longer the central figure in the history of psychiatry, simply because psychiatry as a clinical discipline has lost interest in psychoanalysis. Similarly, historians of psychiatry have lost interest in the history of psychoanalysis, which used to be the all-consuming number one theme in the history of psychiatry. Freud's Vienna, as psychiatry itself has become much more oriented towards biology, towards seeing the brain as the uh, source of psychiatric illness. We don't call it a mental illness anymore. The historical narrative starts to focus more upon key figures in the history of biological psychiatry. Emil Kreplin himself was not a big biological figure. He had an eye problem that prevented him from doing microscopy, from looking at samples of brain tissue. But he was very reflective about classification, the different kinds of illnesses. And Kreplin said there's a fundamental difference between mood disorders, which he called manic depressive illness, and 
psychosis, which he called dementia praecox, and which shortly thereafter became rechristened schizophrenia. And this was Kreplin's main interest. It was teasing out the major disorders and seeing how their prognoses, how their courses differed. But other clinicians of the day started asking, what are the biological bases of the mood disorders as opposed to the biological bases of the psychoses? And these are still the main questions that psychiatry and uh, the neurosciences are asking. There is still the Kreplinian firewall between schizophrenia and bipolar illness or major depression, and researchers on either side of the firewall are asking what are the underlying biological causes of each of the illnesses. Thank you for listening to this special segment on psychiatry on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been historian Dr. Edward Shorter. Thank you for the interesting conversation, Dr. Shorter. A pleasure. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.